Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Chelsea are the champions of Europe. A 1-0 win over Manchester City in the Champions League final. Hans Thomas Tuchel's side of the crown. Would you believe it? After the season, they have had what a storyline and there is so much to discuss. We will go into that in detail in today's episode of The Gagging Pod, the final match day edition of the club season. And we'll also discuss at length the rumours of Ange Postacoglu's move potentially to Celtic in Scotland. What a massive moment that would be for Australian football. And congratulations to Brentford up into the Premier League after the Championship playoff final earlier on today. So much to talk about. Let's get straight into it. Wow, what a morning. Chelsea, the champions of Europe, 1-0 victors over Manchester City. So much to digest, so much to try and figure out how Manchester City uh, missed that moment to claim their holy grail. David Wiener with you once again for the final match day edition of the Gagan Pod of the season. And glad to be joined once again by Michael Bridges, John Aloisi, Heather Garriock. Guys, what an extraordinary morning we just witnessed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you'd think that uh, Man City went in being the favourites, Chelsea the underdogs, and, and they've come out on top. What a fantastic defensive e- effort by Chelsea and for Pep Guardiola. Oh, my God. There's going to be questions asked and there's going to be a post-mortem. There will be. We'll kick it off right now. John, can you believe? Can you believe both today? Can you believe both in the context of the season that Chelsea are the champions of Europe? Well, at the start of the season, we didn't think it was going to happen, did we? Uh, when Frank Lampard was in charge. And uh, let's give credit to Frank as well, because he did well in bringing through Mason Mount. Um, the signings with Havertz and Werner, who were, I think that especially Havertz this morning, he uh, that was probably the making of him at Chelsea, that, that, that performance score in that goal um, but we didn't think that at that stage of the season they'll go all the way and win the Champions League but when Tuchel came in you started to get that belief that they could do it because the way he sets his teams up the way they defend and they defended really well this morning and they had beaten City already twice before this game and we spoke about it on the Gagan pod uh, only a few days ago Dave that that was playing on Pep's mind and I think that's the reason why he made the decision he did in not playing a defensive midfielder and playing good in the one there I, I thought it was a strange one um, um, and it didn't work for him, Bridgie. I've just got to say to Tuchel, congratulations. I know he's a big listener to the Gagan pod, to Chelsea <laughs> players, everything they've deserved, and all the Chelsea fans. It was a magnificent performance, and I totally agree with you, John. Pep, yet again, that question mark, why was Sterling playing when he's had, a, a for me, a very rocky season? He's, he hasn't been the mainstay. Phil Foden's done fantastic out there. And it's normally Rodri or Fernandinho does the defensive midfield work. And it was Gundogan, the man that has got so many goals this season in the attacking third. I'm running out of breath because I'm just so excited for what we've witnessed this morning because it was a great game of football. It's, it, it was compelling. It was compelling. It was incredible drama, incredible theatre, both on and off the field. So you can't, you can't analyse this game without asking exactly what was it that Pep went wrong. What did he overthink? Why did he do it? Why did he do it? And then how badly did that impact uh, what happened? And we saw particularly in the first half. 
I can only think that he was trying to outnumber them in midfield and dominate the the midfield because he, he knows how good Chelsea are there and try and drag the center, uh, central defenders out of position like Rudiger and drag uh, Aspilicueta coming out into midfield and then try and exploit that space with Sterling making those runs in behind. You saw it occasionally. It did come off on occasions, but it didn't happen enough. Two losses, two goal to um, Pep Guardiola, correct? Before this game. Before this game. Yeah. Alarm bells, he's hit the panic button and he's tried to do something different to what he's been doing throughout the season. I think you came up with a stat, which was actually Mark Swartz's stat. Yeah. stat. Yeah. Um, what was it, November? That yeah, so the last time he played the without uh, Rodri. Only time. The only the time. The only time. The only yeah. time he played without Rodri and Fernandinho or Fernandinho as their lone sixes, defensive midfielders, was against Olympiacos in November 3rd of last year, which was this season. So they've won the Premier League playing that system with the defensive mid it was not the time in the Champions League final to change it up I think what hurt him and he said after the game Guardiola he's not going to come out and say oh you know I made a mistake in my team selection um, he said the second balls were hurting him mm-hmm. And the second balls is not Gundogan's. Uh, he, 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 that's not his game to do that. His game is more on the ball. His game is more, especially this year, getting into the box, scoring goals. But he was the one that was trying to win those second balls. I think if they had Fernandinho in there or Rodri, they wouldn't have got uh, hurt like that on that second ball. If they did have them in there, then there would be less space in between and especially in the first half and the goal almost come was how big the spaces were in between from from the defence to the midfield and you could just see them and Werner would drop in to be able to receive the ball and then there'd be third man runs um, being made forward. But you got to you have to praise Tuchel. Mm. He's foundation of coaching is about work ethic. It's about discipline in defence. It's about everybody working collectively as a unit and that transition moment was the key for Chelsea. But if we looked at the possession stats, they were very, very close. The second balls and the duels, obviously Chelsea won, but most importantly is shots on goals. That that was the big, the big thing. One shot on goal for Man City, unbelievable for one of the best teams in the world and you just can't win games so, if you can't score goals. So there's two ways I look at that Heather, was that Manchester City's mm-hmm. lack of drive and lack of opportunities or was that the class of Chelsea defensively? I think their last ditch tackles actually helped them a lot as well, we saw that uh, Rudiger who stopped Foden on that last uh, ditch tackle, you saw Chiuel recovery run to stop that uh, tap in at the back post for Mares early on when they got him on the counter attack you have to give credit to Chelsea there uh, because I still think City we're still finding areas. They still got into that final third on a number of occasions, but the, oh, Chelsea defended really well in that final third, back third. The, the block was was just so disciplined um, for Chelsea, but you need to ask questions of Pep. Did he choke? Did he choke in the moment? I think that we've just reinforced that he did choke, yeah. and for a manager of that calibre, mm. he's going to reflect and go, where did it go mm. wrong? Um, but let's also reflect about, it was only that De Bruyne got injured, that he made the changes. So was he going to make those changes a little bit later? It was the turning point, I think, where Man City then stepped up and played their natural game. It was an interesting one because oh. th- that was, um, even until getting injured, De Bruyne, and people talk about this being a game for him to maybe make a Ballon d'Or case, he was struggling to put himself into the game as well. Yeah, and that could have been something to do with the way Pep lined up and, and, and put his team out there. Look, I hate the word choke for someone like Pep that's been there, done it, and won trophies. I understand what you're saying, Heather, that uh, he didn't get that selection right. 
Um, but it's it's still a fine line, you know. That uh, Chelsea took their chance in the first half, and City didn't take theirs. And so it, it's it's one of those ones that we're always going to be critical, and that's yeah, yeah, what we're yeah. here to do. Um, but Guardiola has won a lot in his uh, his career as a coach, um, but. Tuchel was too smart for him this morning. Let's talk about Tuchel. He would have... He was... The, the scenes with him with his family afterwards were quite wonderful amongst many great scenes after the game. And Tuchel, one of the great stories going into the game was about a meeting that he had with Pep Guardiola, I think 2014, when he's still coach of Mainz. And the quote during the rounds was Pep said, I have a feeling about this guy. I want to meet him. I think there's something about him. And he's obviously the nerd... Tuchel, the tactical nerd, the guy who sort of... You what know, was Pep thinking? Giving away all his secrets like <laughs> he that. He probably did. <laughs> but do you know what Tuchel would have loved? The fact that actually Pep changed what has worked for him all season to take on this Chelsea side. And it didn't work. It's a real endorsement for Tuchel. the previous results that yeah. he didn't get against them. Yeah, you know, and I, I did say that that would play on their mind. It, it does play in your mind. If you, you've just lost two games in a row, in major games, the semi-final of You're the FA yourself. Cup. Yeah, so he, he sort of changed his way, but it was funny because they, they said that the uh, when they sat down in a bar, it was um, it was crazy because they, they must have been having a drink of wine and whatever, and they're, they're moving like the salt and pepper and then the, the, the glass of wine and the bottle of wine to show their <laughs> tactics so that would have been some meeting that they had especially after a few glasses of wine it sounds like our analysis on a night time John, <laughs> yeah. just when we have dinner well what we're we going to look at tomorrow Bridgie well if you move your red wine over here John I'll move my white wine here perfect and Bridgie will drink it <laughs> yeah. hey, it took a lot to get it off out of his hands let me tell you very good but you know what we're just talking about Tuchel and the, the magnitude of the achievement and what he changed at Chelsea ninth of course when he inherited the side and something that was actually we've talked about the tactics. The tactics are one aspect of it, but I was watching that interview between Azpilicueta and Havertz, and that rang a bell for me. That resonated with me, because I thought... Look at that spirit. Now, I know they've just won a Champions League final. Everyone's going to be happy after a Champions League final. But as Pilaquita made a point of talking about his mentality, talking about the way he has run, worked for the team, a guy who was on the outer, the marquee signing, who wasn't working, and in the end, come good. That's another one of the understated achievements of what he did when he came into Chelsea uh, just a few months ago. Without a shadow of a doubt, and COVID as well. He got through the COVID issue. And what I I saw from that and what I took from it, the players like Aspilicueta, Rudiger, that were on the outer, Alonso, again, I know he didn't play today, was on the outer under Lampard. And take nothing from it. Tuchel came in, and he just seemed to be able to control all them egos, and he got them all working and singing off the same hymn sheet. They were absolutely outstanding. And I think why Aspilicueta has credited Havertz is the work rate off the ball. And I think we go back to Tino Werner as well. We talk about him. He's not there to score 30 goals a season. What Tuchel sees in that man is the work rate when they have the ball to make the runs in behind constantly to create space for others. But his work rate off the ball when they don't have it. He shows them one way. He's a pest. And for me, that that is the new attitude that Tuchel brought to Chelsea where everybody was in it together. I think it was a... Chelsea became a bit disjointed under Lampard this season. You give the young'uns a good goal last season. This season, he found it very hard to manage him. And I think Tuchel, fair play, ticks everything. Mm. Do, do you think it was down to the, the credibility of Tuchel coming in? Um, we talked about um, Solskjaer um, for, for Man United and such a big club. Chelsea, another big club. When Tuchel comes in and you've got Lampard and Solskjaer, former players probably hasn't earned their stripes just yet, haven't achieved what Tuchel has. Former Champions League uh, finalist from last year for PSG, there's credibility. And the second thing that I feel that 
he's bought in, his self-belief, his belief that they could win today and belief that every single person on the park is so important. That's what I saw. And I, I think you said it, Dave, spirit. And also, for a guy that's so intense, I actually think it was a really interesting contrast between him, him and Guardiola. I actually think everything that uh, Tuchel said going into the game was quite relaxed, charming, uh, happy to be here, obviously playing it cool, but it, 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 gives, off, it gives off a feeling, doesn't it? It, it does, and, um, and he spoke about that. He said that you know he, he wants to make the players calm, enjoy the experience, enjoy the occasion. Yes, then there'll be a few nerves, but he, he was trying to make it lighthearted and, and, and in good spirits. And you saw a lot of the images was him laughing and joking around. And even at one stage, I think someone caught him filming imitating yeah. uh, Guardiola, which was quite funny. But uh, yeah, it, it, uh, that rubs off on the players. But don't underestimate these Chelsea players played in a, a major final only two years ago, the Europa League against Arsenal. So they went in with a bit more of that European final experience because a lot of the Manchester City players, it was only Gundogan that uh, actually played in a final and that was with uh, Dortmund against Bayern Munich. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Do you know what? A, a debutante in a final hasn't won since 1997. So everyone talking about this being Manchester City's holy grail, destiny, they're there, they're going to win it, they deserve to win it. Takes a lot to make that elite group. Takes a lot to get there. Takes a lot of money to win it as well, Dave, when you think how much they have invested Incredible. and they still haven't got it. Well, before we ask what might happen as a result of this, I just want to touch on any final thoughts from this game. Is it, for you, what, what will be your final thought from the game? Is it is it Kante? Is it Mason Mount, the young Englishman? Is it Werner's interview? Is it um, Guardiola crestfallen? Going around the room when you think back about this final in years to come, whether it's a play, a moment, personality, storyline, what, what, what do we still need to touch on? The fans that were there for me today, we've gone through COVID for the last year and a half, two years. It's been horrendous. We've seen stadiums empty and to actually see a Champions League final with two English teams, which we had with Liverpool and Tottenham, which was just a stalemate. Mm. It was a ball fest. That game was absolutely incredible. And I think the fans played a major part in that. I think the making of Havertz at Chelsea... You know, we, we heard a lot about him. We saw little bits of him uh, at uh, by Leverkusen and, uh, and, you know, we could see how good he was. But uh, this morning, I, I was just his strength, his pace, um, his uh, control, his composure, not only with the goal, but also the one that he set up Pulisic. I, I, I think he's only, is he 22 yet, Dave? Not yet, no. Not even 22 yet. Some future. And I think Chelsea, uh, big money signing, but he'll come good and I think today was the making of did that. Did he thank anybody today in his interview? <laughs> oh, he thanked as many people as Dave did after the game. Dave was thanking, thanking his grandfather. I was thanking Mama. nobody. I, I, was just, I was just trying to answer. Let's put the record straight here. I was just trying to say what it means, what it means to different people and, and, and you know, a lot of people pay Chelsea fans out. 
a lot of people give Chelsea fans grief because of, and a lot of people give Australian football fans grief. Everyone's got their their special meaning for what it means for them. And in that moment, that was what I was thinking and the about. The biggest thing for you today that you coming on was that win today was bigger than your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth more. I can tell you that much. Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. Dear, oh dear. Yeah, look, I, I think a big learning is um, people talk about Pep and how he's, he's world class and um, for, for us, I think, looking back on this in 10 years' time or, or any managers um, in the future looking back on it, his coaches get it wrong and I think this is a moment in time and could be a turning point for Pep in the fact that, yep, he got it wrong tactically and Tuchel got it right, but in saying that, I think it's, it, it's important that he needs to go on and needs to take another step forward in Champions League with the experience from this um, and tonight and his failure, I would say, he can then learn from that and keep going forward because consistency is a key. And without consistency um, and stability within a team and chopping and changing, it's, it, it just... It, it's just not... City win this next year with Harry Kane as their striker. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's a big shout. I'll, yeah. I'll back that. Yeah, I'll yeah. Back you that. know what? It, this is what I'm looking forward to the most because it, we, we, Pep didn't win, dominated the Premier League, um, dominated domestically. In Europe, they were very good as well. Just this game here, they fell short. But um, the change of the actual uh, system, system next season, because I'm pretty sure they'll go get a striker. Whether it's Kane, whether it's Haaland, uh, who knows who it's going to be I'm so keen because uh, uh, of, of Walker as well yeah, and, and how, how Pep will change his way of playing and how that's going to go on to another level but um, you know it, it's uh, I think that um, his disappointment this morning if yeah. if he did that at Barcelona when he won those titles if that happened he wouldn't have been on the next season. That's how different... Uh, a match, Yeah, that's mm. how cutthroat a Barcelona or Real Madrid are. Uh, they need to win at all costs. Manchester City, they trust Pep. Yeah. The, the fans trust him. They'll give him time to get it right, and that's why he's there for another two seasons. Boy, oh boy, Munchen Gladbach, Dortmund and PSG couldn't have been a better run for them to get into this uh, holy ground moment, but maybe Kane will be the difference next year. The other thing I think we need to mention is that um, Pep put... Aguero on with about 20 minutes to go to affect the game and that's that they're going to be his last minutes for Man City so that's respectful and, and, and shows what you he saw feels. the emotion as yeah. well from mm. Aguero I, yeah. I don't think he would have done that out of respect I actually believe he thought that he was going to score um but he got the, two in the Premier League yeah, the week yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Pep doesn't. He doesn't show. Um, to, to, he, he wants to win. There's not it, a lot of love lost between him and Aguero, by the way. Yeah. I think that's one of the mainstay reasons, um, Heather. That he's that, departing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Was, it, it, was it was very emotional. Moment. It was emotional for Aguero, and you, yeah, you felt that emotion. I'm going to miss watching him in the Premier League. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um. Well, he's stalling a little bit. He's not making any announcement about Barcelona until he knows about Lionel Messi's future. So I do wonder. Everyone has suggested that you know Liverpool will be better next season. Of course they will be. Chelsea will be competitive and more so next season. What lick of paint does Tuchel add? Could it be Aguero if the Barcelona move breaks down? Do they need one poacher, one striker to take them to the next level? Or will a year under their belt take that huge roll call of players to the next level? Who are you going to leave? you got Giroud. 
Tammy Abraham. I, I think they'll Fair both enough. be. I, I think they'll both be gone. Think both I think they're gone, both do gone. Do yeah. yeah. Fair, Fair enough. Yeah. If they're both gone. I would. Yeah. I would snap the hand off and get Aguero if he could. Yeah. <laughs> I look, they'll definitely go for a striker. I, I know that they'll still be waiting for Werner to score his twenty to thirty goals because he did that in Germany. Mm. Um, they will give him an opportunity, but I think they'll still go get another striker because mm. they need it. They, they when they have dominated games and and if they lost against Aston Villa the last game two one. All right, they ended up making Champions League in the top four anyway, but they dominated, got into good areas and weren't able to punish teams. Again, they only won 1-0 this morning. You know, if it was uh, another striker in there in good form, you know, Werner's chances, there might have been two or three. Tell you what, would would Kane be uh, looking at going to Chelsea after the performance? No, Lord, wash your mouth no, out. No, no. no chance. <laughs> Tot- Tottenham player going to Chelsea. I you, don't. You think don't want to leave a nice part of London to go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I'll tell know you what. It, it, it take all that aside. It, it fits. It fits the profile. But as I'm with you, I can't. I can't see that happening. We are going to talk about Euros so much over the next six weeks. But a fair few domino effects from today as we wrap up. Kevin De Bruyne, the form of Mason Mount, the form of the fullbacks and the wingbacks, um, and Golo Kante as well anything any major takeaways from here that that will, will impact that going forwards and I, I thought of that sorry by the way because of Havertz as well that's a major boost for Germany because a confidence player he's another string to their bow going in any, any major takeaways particularly uh, to our favourite Englishman in the corner here excited to see Kante of France playing the Euros he's, he was just monumental yet again he never seems to have a bad game can I throw a real curveball in here come on can, I thought today was going to be De Bruyne's case for the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. And I really fear for him for the years. I, I, I hope he's going to be there. Can Kante win the Ballon d'Or? Who is winning the Ballon d'Or at this point? Is it Lewandowski still because of what he's done in Germany? Because of the records that he has broken, I, I believe, with his goal scoring. Um, I think it's Lewandowski. He's, Kante has got to be talked about, though. But it also depends on who does well at the Euros. That's what I mean. If, yeah. if they go on yeah. and do well in the Euros yeah. and he's done this combination. Yeah, I, I think it depends on that. Because well, we saw Modric win it mm. when uh, Croatia won the World Cup. Uh, well, they got <laughs> into the final of the World Cup. They didn't win yeah. it. But um, if, if France go all the way, which they easily could. I know it's Heather, they're the Heather's favourites, but... Uh, Kant is normally the player of the match in every game he plays in. Big so, games, yeah. You know, why can't he win it? I reckon yeah. watch this space there. Could be a, could be just a different type of Ballon d'Or winner because yeah. there's no obvious candidates otherwise. Yeah. So, interesting. That was just going through my mind this morning while I was watching the game. Well... That's the end of our game-by-game game scenario for the season, guys. It's been, a, it's been a huge season of the Gagan Pod. We've gone through hours and hours and hours of matches, but we have one more big talking point before we're done for the season, and it's a, it's a bit of news that we woke up to on Saturday morning, and I think it took all our breath away, to be honest, which was the length of links of Ange Postacoglu to Celtic once the talks with Eddie Howe broke down. I'll come to you first, John. Just your reaction to that news when you saw it. I was excited. There are two reasons why I was excited because um, I think that Ange is definitely good enough and uh, and just to see how and and what happens when he does get there. You know, the the, the way he's going to get his team to play football, um, I think it's going to cause so many waves over, especially in Scotland, hopefully in Europe because if he qualifies for Europe with Celtic, I think he'll go take him to another level. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for Ange. Hopefully it does get uh, uh, pushed over the line and uh, but excited about it all because, you know, managers and players 
at the moment in Europe are not respected from Australia. And I think that you said before, what did they, they well, say? Sky it, it, even, even Sky Sports' um, headline was Greek manager Ange Postacoglu. So not, not even sort of looking beneath the, 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 the one tier to see that he see, was an Australian coach. I, can I step in here? Because it really annoys the hell out of me that this... I've lived here for 12 years. I've seen Ange grow as a coach. I've seen what he's done with club level with the national team, what he's gone and done in Japan, and he's absolutely incredible. Now, there was an opportunity, during the Sunland Netflix documentary, anybody that's watched it, there was a guy there, CEO, called Martin Bain. And halfway through the season, I got a phone call off Martin Bain, um, known that I was an ex-Sunland player, known that I was living in Australia. He wanted a reference on Ange Postacoglu because Ange was in for the job. And I give Ange a glowing report, and I said to Martin, what do you mean you don't know? He actually said, I don't know, I've never heard of this guy. I said, well, do your research for one, mate. Have a look at what he's won. Have a look at what he's all about. He is perfect for Sunland Football Club at this moment in time. He can start you afresh. It just doesn't matter. And their reaction was, I need a big name for the fans. And that really hurt me. I said, this guy is a big deal. You've just got to make sure that you're doing it for the right the right reasons. Lo and behold, on the Netflix documentary, who got the job? It was the ex-Welsh manager, Coleman. Chris mm, Coleman yeah. came in. Didn't change yeah. anything, the dynamics. And I really felt for Ange. And I think he deserves the opportunity. And I would love somebody just to take a punt on him in Europe to let him show what he can do. And what that then does, that gives the credibility back to Australian football for all coaches and all players that are out there trying to break in to coaching around the world and he's he's the one that can break this for us somebody's got to take a punt and it really upsets me that that headline has come out saying the Greek coach because it's absolute crap he's an, I, know he, I know that's his history but he's done it for Australia so give Australia the respect that they deserve it's a, it's a transformative moment for Australian Football oh. and prospective coaches. Do you know, Ange is just a pioneer for coaches and he, he's done it. He's been a, a, an A-League winner here, Asian Cup winner. This is like the, uh, winning <laughs> the Won Euros. the J-League. Uh, won the yeah. J-League. He is Australia's best coach by far, but he's a pioneer for coaches like us here in Australia to say, do you know what? I'm going to take a chance overseas. I'm going to take a chance in Asia. I'm going to take a chance if he gets the job in, in Celtic. That is a massive moment for Australian football and Australian coaches, and he deserves it. He's worked bloody damn hard, and he's gone, gone against the odds. And the thing I love about Ange, he sticks to what he believes in. Regardless of who it is, there's no plan B, there's always a plan A with Ange. And for us to have him as the national coach, he's done some great things. Yep, he walked away. Who knows why? We all know why, controversially. But because he wanted to stick to his guns. And it'd be great to see him at Celtic. Obviously, Scottish football, very different style of play. But he'll bring his style of play in because there's no plan B. And the, what I hope people look at as well, all right, the A-League might be unheard of in certain parts of the world in, in Australian football. He's gone and won the J-League. Arsene Wenger won the J-League and he got a job at Arsenal Football Club and they gave him the opportunity and look what he did there. He completely changed the dynamics of that club. He turned them into winners and they think... <laughs> they'll be thinking oh this guy this Australian coach he's won the A-League yeah fantastic mm. what's that got oh he's got no tactics you cannot win the J-League without knowing your stuff so on that just before we come back to you John is one of the big themes from fans I saw was the dismay of has our cl- how has our club come to this we have to go to a in inverted commas nobody from Australia we need you know I've saw th- people going the, the club wants a puppet we need someone with backbone we need a big name you, so t- talk to Eddie them Howell, about Eddie that how was the big name talking about getting Eddie Howe there. The fans are dis, um, disappointed that they haven't got Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe got Bournemouth relegated. 
I think he's a fantastic coach, but why would you be upset wanting a guy that is being relegated from the Premier League when you've got a guy that's just won the J-League? Think about the values. Richard Bayless did a great post about it. Um, yeah, I'm going to retweet it. I'm yeah. going to send it to as many bloody coaches and fans as I can to say, give this guy a go. Yeah, look, uh, I sort of can understand Celtic fans because, yeah. uh, you know, a few years back, they ended up getting Brendan Rodgers from Liverpool. So, you know, someone that was challenging for the Premier League. So they're, they're thinking, oh, well, you know, we don't know him, so we don't know how good he is. But that can quickly change as soon as someone sets foot into a football club, a few results, performances, and then all of a sudden people get excited again. So you have to understand what fans are like. They're always going to be like that. Um, that's not going to worry Ange, though. Ange will go in there without fear. 100% he'll go without fear and he'll be confident in what he's going to do. And when they say, well, someone with no backbone, believe that's me. That's what I mean. Talk to them about that. Yeah. Talk to them about but it, that. But it annoys me that big clubs like Sunderland, when you've got an exa- uh, CEO like Martin Baines, that are running football clubs that don't do the research and look at how many trophies and how many credentials certain coaches have got r- around the world. It's, you've got the blinkers on. It's so narrow-minded. And that's the thing that you... <laughs> The coaches around the world know about the players around the world and the owners of these clubs should have the faith to go, you know what it is? I, I respect this guy because he's won X, he's won Z, he's done this with national teams. They don't look at that. They look at the name and say, oh, I need a glitz and glamour name. So Do your research, man. So this is where Celtic would have done their research and uh, and it's important that, the, that this is where we understand why is that um, their former actual CFO at Manchester City, which is part of the City Group, is now the CEO of Celtic. Plus, one of their main scouts is now at Celtic, who was a part of that City Group scouting uh, network. So they know Ange really well. And they've got to sell it well to their fans. Yeah. They're, they're the ones that have to sell it yeah. because they, they, they do the research. So when you're saying Sunderland, Sunderland ob- ob- obviously, Sunderland yeah, but obviously Sunderland, Bridgie, and you know that they're not a club that's well organised and that's probably been their downfall. Whereas Celtic, if they do go down this route, I think it shows that they're doing their research and, and, and they're you know and they're not just going off of a name or yeah. so-called name. And this is uh, the reward, I guess, of, of Ange Postacoglu working within the Citigroup and proving himself, working wonders in Japan. If you can transform a club in Japan in your first year where you don't speak the language imagine what you can do when you go into Scotland and getting raps off Pep Guardiola when they played them pre-season exactly exactly so, sorry his son the CEO's son is the right. main, one of the main scouts at City and the other do thing your research is, John <laughs> sorry I'm trying to do my research as I'm talking on the fly the other thing is 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 the courage and conviction that you spoke about H and if you go through any dialogue with Andrew over the years and we've all been privileged to have a bit to do with him he talks about the fact that he's not afraid to take people on or you've got now he's going to walk into if he gets the job and it goes through and everyone you know the, where there's smoke there's fire it's getting closer and closer imagine when he storms into Scotland into Celtic and gives that inaugural press conference to explain who he is what he's about it's Antipostokoglu's mission to bring down Steven Gerrard's Rangers it's a, it's a massive uh, look it's a massive club we know Celtic's a massive club not only in Scotland but around the world well supported club and Rangers just broke the drought of Celtic was at nine in a row, and and so this was they were desperate, and Gerard uh, Stephen Gerard's got them on another level. So it's not going to be easy for Ange. We're not saying it's going to be easy, 
But if someone can do it, I think he can. And he won't have time because the expectations no. will be big. Is that What do you think about that? Because always, if you persisted with him, he will get you the results. How does he work on that balance? That, that's where he needs the backing of the club. Yeah, and he's got to go now because he gets a chance to have a look who he can bring in. He gets a whole pre-season with the team. It's, it's oh, a well, great, he, ha- he has to go now. It's a great, fre- yeah. fresh, clean slate now. The club and him, I think it's a... Oh, I, I want it to happen. I the really only do. thing that probably could stand in his way is actually his commitment with uh, with uh, uh, FC Marino, yeah, Marinos, because the, you don't know what is what's in his contract. Is he able to get out of his contract? So that could stall it a little bit. But I'm pretty sure if he's able to get out and Celtic want him, he will go. Watch this space. It was a big story. We don't know whether it's going to happen, confirmed, but we are very excited about the prospect of it, and, and uh, we'll see what happens in the coming days, weeks, and months. Brentford. That's Premier what we're going to end off on. There Congratulations. We because we've got a brand new team in the Premier League, and I'm glad for that. I'm glad to see a team that's been knocking on the door for a few years, and it's going to be an exciting new addition to the Premier League after uh, we saw what Leeds did last last year. It's nice to have another breath of fresh air. Talk about their scouting, Bridgie. How good's their scouting? Yeah, they changed their whole philosophy of the club. They, it was almost like they called it second chance. Yeah. Picking up players that had been released from other clubs. Ollie Watkins also that, a few years back. So they've they've done their apprenticeship with another club. They haven't had to invest the money on the coaching and they've gone, you know what it is? We'll take you and we'll sell you on for more money and it's just been an absolute brilliant philosophy that has come together. I think it's about £290 million that they have turned over and generated and they've got the new stadium and they've got the Premier League and I'm I'm delighted for them but I'm gutted because I made a silly bet with somebody mm. on Twitter um, that I, if, if the bees went up I would wear a, a Brentford jersey on our first show back for Optus if I'm still around for the next show next season, Dave. <laughs> hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You're gone. I'm gone. <laughs> so I was, I was, yeah, I'm, I'm chuffed a bit for them because of what they're all about, John. Moneyball. It's, yep. it's, it's sort of a moneyball uh, type of club. And it will be very interesting to see how they go in the Premier League because they will go look for that bargain and go look for that player that can make a difference in the Premier League and whether they can do it. It's going to be fascinating to see. 2-0 win over Swansea to end the club season on a monumental day. Bridgie, we have spent about 45 million hours talking to each other on the Gagan Pod next year. If, if I can't even... We'll be doing it again. We'll be doing it again. I look forward to it. Let, let's, let's see uh, what the next couple of weeks with the Euros brings us as well. Guys, that's it for the season for a week. <laughs> I can't wait to go on Euro. holiday with my family. <laughs> <laughs> what a pleasure it's been to talk to you guys today and through the season. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I hope you enjoyed today a little bit as much as I have as well. What a great end to Definitely not as much as you, Dave, because we're not Chelsea supporters. Well, at least I'm not. Um, but it was uh, a great game to watch. But, Johnny, we, we backed Chelsea. We did back Chelsea. We, we but so Heather, that's touche. our knowledge. Touche, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, Bridgie. <laughs> Sorry you said what? <laughs> he, said, he said what? <laughs> by, the, by the way, by the way, I just quietly, I think I had 2-1 Villarreal and 1-0 Chelsea as my two bets for the uh, for the Champions League for the Champions League Europa League doubleheader. So it didn't work because Villarreal didn't win 2-1, but it's all about the theory anyway. <laughs> Remember, listeners, please gamble responsibly. <laughs> now, these were just all in my head. I didn't actually do anything about it, which is the problem. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for your time again today. And to everyone listening out there, thank you for your support and listening throughout the season. We hope we've provided you just a little bit of football fun and a pick-me-up through your commute, through your work, through your running, whatever it may be. We have thoroughly enjoyed it, as I hope you have picked up from how much we love talking about football. Now, we'll be back during the Euros with a daily Gagenpod Euro edition. So stay tuned for that and stick around. And as ever, until we bring you that, enjoy your football.
Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.